This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. They won. <laughs> they won game one. Uh, welcome into the podcast. Um, I'm Dave Hardesty. This is uh, my good friend M.K. Bauer of Sports Exchange and uh, an excellent follow on Twitter at uh, Moisica Penda. And we are here at the Toyota Center uh, at the scene after the Houston Rockets 118 to 108 game one win over the Dallas Mavericks uh, in their first round playoff series. Uh, MK, thanks for joining me for this. It's super late, so I really appreciate you taking the time. It gives me an opportunity to go get some drink after the game, so <laughs> excuses built in. It's all good. <laughs> right. Um, this is just a, a great win. I think a lot of fans, even though they felt confident about beating the Mavericks, I think that there was a sort of this feeling of, what would happen if they were to lose, similar to what we saw last year against Portland where they lost one and two? They needed to show and prove. I think that's the reality of the situation. Even though I think most people feel as though the Rockets are the favorite in this series, you have to come out and play the games to confirm that status. And I thought they did that tonight. The one thing that struck me as interesting is that obviously Dwight Howard got out to a phenomenal start. They gave up the lead when he went and sat on the bench with his third foul in the second quarter. But by and large, once they reclaimed some control of the game late in the second quarter, extended the lead in the third quarter, they played from ahead the entire time. And thinking about that and talking to James Harden after the game, I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but there was a maturity there. And you and I have kind of hit this all season. Yeah. There was a, an underlying confidence with him that, that just kind of struck me in terms of how he handled um, the media to this year, just the whole you know aura this evening. I think they've grown a lot from the experience of last year. I'm not saying they're going to win a series based on one game, but I just like the way they felt, both in terms of maintaining the lead throughout the second half, dealing with every Dallas run, because Dallas remains a fantastic offensive team, and just how they handled themselves in a post-game environment, realizing they still have three more games to go. How much of this do you think is the fact that you've got now some veterans that you can rely on? And I'm not trying to throw Parsons and Lynn and Oshik under the bus, uh, although some would probably accuse me of doing that just the same. (laughs) But... uh, you know, how much of this is you've got guys like Terry? I mean, granted, an older player, but who's been around the block, knows this this game. Ariza, Brewer, uh, these are guys who have won championships. Um, how much of that plays a role? And these guys all made key contributions tonight. That was my point I was about to make. You could cer- certainly make the argument that the three best performances of the night outside of Harden's 24 and 11 assist was. Trevor Reza going with a double-double, 12-11, and 11, plus a triple-double, yeah. Um, Jason Terry, early shooting, which was huge key for this team in terms of developing that early with 16 points and four three-pointers, and Corey Brewer becoming the fourth-quarter monster that he's always become of late, um, just 13 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the constant running back and forth, the energy that he seemed like he struggled to find early in the game. He found it in the fourth quarter when they needed it. Key because they were figuring out how they were going to handle that stretch with Dwight Howard in the game, but being careful with James Harden not quite in the game yet, but coming in. He was the bridge from where they were to victory. And, and look, you know, I think we all understand that this team has its flaws, 
But the addition of those veterans, I think, is proven key. Both, obviously, Ariza and Terry in the offseason, and Brewer and Josh Smith, who was uneven tonight, but he had his moments during the season. Daryl Moore is always going to be a polarizing figure, but you can't knock him when you recognize the little things he does around the big picture. You yeah. Know, it, it's easy to get hard in Howard, as people would say, but the additions of those players was critical tonight because I thought all of them brought a veteran savvy that, that the Rockets needed to kind of overcome. Yeah, and it was interesting to see his uh, his reaction at <laughs> halftime because yeah. as we were getting out of the elevator, we got a chance uh, at halftime of the game to talk to him for a little bit. But uh, Dwight Howard, uh, really a good and a, and a bad, I'd say the good outweighs the bad, but tonight in particular he was in foul trouble, only played the 17 minutes. You mentioned it. Um, but we've talked about the last few games, really, since he's been back. He looks fantastic. And I think right out of the gate tonight, just ha- you know, had a couple of blocks and then had that massive block of that Tyson Chandler shot. And you're like, whoa, this guy's getting way up there. He had a couple of thunderous jams early in the game. Set the tone as they jumped out to that 19-6 to lead. Uh, what are you seeing from him that uh, gives you a lot of confidence in the, in the Rockets? I felt like I was being teased tonight. Uh, it was the, the best 17 minutes I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, the 11 points, five rebounds, five blocks, the explosiveness was there in his legs. You know, you mentioned the block shot, the one primarily on Tyson Chandler. I thought the second dunk, the, the one he had on the, uh, the, the pick-and-roll play with James Harden, he was really way off the ground. He just looked so juiced, so ready to go. And, and look, it was, it was a good scenario, bad scenario with him. Some of those fouls were just mind-numbingly bad. Yeah. The, the one where he was grabbing and clutching with Nowitzki under the basket, that can't happen. Um, the one on the high screen up top where he stepped around late, when you already have four fouls, that certainly can't happen. He put himself on the bench on multiple occasions, and that's, that's a terrible way to go considering how well he was playing, A, and B, how well the team was playing with him. But let's get back to the larger picture. He looked very spry. I thought he was springy. He was active. He was juiced up. He was energetic. If he's going to be that guy through the course of the entire series, you feel pretty good about where they're going to be as long as he stays out of foul trouble. Yeah, I, I think you know we saw some some uh, a couple of plays. Not so, not so much with Dwight tonight, but a couple of plays where Harden would kick it to, to Josh Smith, and he he'd immediately kick it down low to either, whether to Terrence Jones or Capella, and uh, Josh Smith runs that that pick and roll so well with with Dwight Howard. I think if Dwight's going to look like this, uh, what they could do. Uh, we're going to talk about Josh Smith and how he looked tonight. I think that was sort of hit or miss, but still I think there's a lot of potential in how those two will play together. Uh, we talked about Corey Brewer's fourth quarter. I want to talk a little bit as well about Harden. He was 4 of 11 from the field tonight, still ended up with 24 points, uh, 11 assists, I believe. Um, had a very good game, but i got to say I heard three or four people tweeting me uh, during the game, others on the, on the uh, Clutch Fans forum saying, hey, same old Harden. This is a guy who's not, not stepping up, not leading, not make, having that big scoring night. I don't know if I felt that way tonight. I mean, they were throwing double teams at him at times. Um, he, he had Rondo on him. I didn't feel like he was necessarily locked down. He was facilitating and making things happen. Yeah, How did you think? I would disagree with that sentiment. Look, they scored 118 points with him only taking 11 shots. I yeah. think that's the prime example of the facilitating James Harden playing a key role for this team tonight. I think his career high previously in assists was seven. He had 11 tonight. I thought he did a fantastic job of picking his spots, getting the ball to guys who were open, time and again, and understanding what was being given to him. Look, I don't expect... And no one should expect him just to force shots to appease people who think he needs to score 30 points per game in the postseason to, to confirm his status as a transcendent player. I think 24 and 11 is fine when your team scores at the rate that it scored at tonight. He was outstanding. Yeah, you would like to see him shoot a little bit better than 4 for 11, 
but I think that the shot has been a kind of hit or miss of late for him, and maybe he will find it at some point through the course of the series. But I think it's more important that he didn't force shots. I think it's more important that he allowed Terrence Jones and Josh Smith to take more shots than him, that Corey Brewer took the same number of field goal attempts, and he didn't bat an eye. He, he ran that team. He, he's your nominal point guard. I thought he did an outstanding job of, of, of orchestrating the offense tonight. And the other sort of narrative or story that people kind of ran with, and I myself included, is that you know Harden's not going to succeed in the playoffs because he's not going to get those those calls. He's not going to get the whistles. Get 17 free throws tonight. How significant was that? It was critical, and, and I thought because he played the way he always plays. Um, he went into the lane. He drew contact. When they were in transition, he did not shy from contract. In fact, at one point, you and I noted him basically dribbling up the back of Dirk Nowitzki to get a foul. And he was doing the same things he's always done. So he can't listen to that outside noise that that the officials are going to swallow the whistle in the postseason. He will be negated as a primetime scorer. I thought he did what he needed to do tonight. Look, 24 points on 11 shot attempts. That's outstanding. And you can parse it however you want to parse it. He only made 4 of 11. The efficiency was there because he got to the line repeatedly. And I don't expect him to get 17 free throws a game in the postseason. But if he's getting 10, 11, 12, they're going to win more than their share of games. Clint Capella now. This was a bit of, uh, I don't want to say it was a surprise because we saw this in the Utah game. But, but Utah had Gobert and, and you thought, well, maybe this is a matchup issue. Dwight gets in that foul trouble and in, in, in comes Clint Capella in the first quarter. And is the first player off the bench to see significant time tonight. Uh, this is something that's, uh, I think, uh, surprising people. Really, Mikhail had no trust in Capella throughout the year, played in the D-League most of the year, came up late, and now suddenly is the first player, much less big, off the bench uh, in, a, in the first playoff game. I was surprised. And look, it's one thing for Mikhail to talk what he was talking during the regular season. I was stunned to see him play 16 minutes, and I see Jory Dorsey play at all. And I, and I understand people's excitement over the guy because he is a natural shot blocker. He gets in the way of a lot of attempts. He, you know, he tries to deter as much as he can possibly deter. But, man, there were moments in this game where he was just getting pushed around by Amari Stoudemire. He didn't rebound cleanly enough for me, and I thought he got lost a few times defensively. And that was my biggest concern, that you put him in this moment, and I don't think he was scared. I just don't think he knew everywhere he needed to be in critical moments of the game. And I think Joey Dorsey gives you a better opportunity of that, but Joey Dorsey is not a shot blocker. Joey Dorsey can be iffy on, on the glass. So I understand it's, it's a difficult spot to an extent for Mikhail Levine without Don Osmodiunas because both of those guys have glaring weaknesses. I think, and I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter a week or so ago, it's a law of diminishing returns thing with, with Capella. The more he plays, the more he's going to be exposed. And he missed a dunk, I think, in the third quarter. Yeah. And I noted to you, he looked absolutely exhausted dragging his rear up the court because the the energy you have to expend and yet maintain an even keel is very, very difficult for younger players. I thought Josh Smith had trouble with that tonight in terms of just being too keyed up and not being able to settle down. I don't know how they handle Capello's minutes moving forward, but clearly he's going to play. How much he plays here and there is going to be critical. Obviously, Dwight Howard's foul trouble played a key role in how much Capello played tonight. Yeah, I, I almost feel like Dorsey has kind of played him, played his way out of the rotation. I think this is a guy, Dorsey, who's very smart as far as basketball IQ, where to be, you know, defensive rotations, um, he, good rebounder, just undersized. And I think that they're to a point now where they, the size has become more important. But I agree with you. I saw some, some at times, I thought Capella uh, looked lost. But I thought he had a lot of positive moments. He had a couple blocks. Um, he, uh, you know, sort of had a mixed bag tonight. But I, overall, I thought that was he had ended up doing pretty well for Dwight Howard stepping in. It's a net positive, and I, I don't want to denigrate the guy. Let, let me make that clear. I thought his performance tonight was a net positive for a team that only could play Dwight Howard for 17 minutes because he could not stop fouling people 
when they needed him to stay on the court. So let, let's back that up a little bit. I thought Capella was fine. I think from this point moving forward, Mikel has to pick his spots in terms of how he utilizes Capella because he's going to be a bouncy, energetic guy on the court, but he's not going to always be in the right spot defensively. He's not going to be able to, to bang with you know Tyson Chandler or Namari Stoudemire on the glass consistently. And, yeah, I would like to see you know Dorsey in minutes because I think Dorsey can give you some of those things, but you're absolutely right. When you talk about bigs on the other team and Dorsey is consistently undersized, you're losing all rim protection when you take Dwight Howard out the game and you don't play Clint Capella. So to an extent, Mikhail has to play him because he needs that rim protection on occasion because the Mavericks scored 58 points in the paint tonight. you got to do better than that if you're going to really have success in this series. Rock, they ended up putting up 118 points tonight, so I would, I thought the way they were rolling, especially out of the gate, we were going to see the intentional fouling more than we did tonight. Really only saw it, believe it, saw it twice. Um, but I just was curious, your thoughts on the fact in the fourth quarter, they, they you know, go out and intentionally foul Josh Smith, put him to the line. Rockets immediately respond and foul Rondo. And what was interesting about it is they weren't in the bonus. They only had three fouls at that time. It seemed like Mikhail was sending a message to Carlisle, like, hey, you're going to do that? We're going to do that, and it's going to be a long game. Yeah, I don't understand what the message accomplishes, though, because at that point, as you know, that they were nowhere near the bonus. Um, it, it just seemed weird, a, a weird gambit at that stage. And really, from the Mavericks' standpoint, it was weird from their, their, their perspective because they didn't continue on doing it. They, yeah. they kind of, you know, dip their toe in the pool, so to speak, and they kind of pull right back out. Exactly. And they weren't really committed to it one way or the other, which I found strange, because either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. To do it basically one possession twice in the game, if I'm not mistaken, was just odd to me. I, you know, it's seven-game series are like boxing matches, and maybe these coaches are kind of filling one another out. I think it's interesting to me that this is only the second time in five games that Dwight Howard has played against the Mavericks. So I think as much as we would like to think these teams are so familiar with one another, there's still a lot kind of going on in terms of understanding who's going to do what and how they're going to handle certain situations in the course of the game. Let's, you know, knock on wood, hope we don't see that again. Um, I thought the lead was just kind of extended enough that Carlisle was like, oh, I'm not going to commit to this, let's just keep going on. But I think at some point he'll have to readdress it because, again, you're either going to have Howard, Capella, or Smith on the court at one given point of a critical moment in the game. And the, 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 the lure is going to be there. You're going to be tantalized to follow those guys and see how many possessions you can steal during the course of a game. I want to talk a little bit about Mikhail's game plan against this team just in general. I, thought, I saw a lot of positives. You know, the fourth quarter, you know, the Rockets sort of closed the third poorly. Montellis hits that three at the buzzer. Then the, he scores quickly at the start of the fourth. It's a five-point game. Tons of time left at that point. Uh, and the Rockets had some things go their way. Ariza hits that 23-foot, foot on the line, shot as the shot clock uh, expires. I believe Brewer, same thing, hits a three-pointer after that. That's when they sort of create that distance. But I thought there were some things that they were, they were prepared for. I, you know, this is probably the one matchup where Jason Terry defensively is not going to be as much of a problem. I'm not saying it's, it isn't going to be an issue, but you got a guy like Rondo who can, can go to the basket but really doesn't have – you don't have to. You can sag off of him. And I will say I noted that to, I noticed that tonight is that when Rondo would kind of cut into the lane and then pull out, the Rockets would follow him up to about 14, 15 feet. Then you could do whatever you want. You know, and they, they let him sag back. He hit some outside shots tonight. But overall, how did you feel, Mikhail, the game plan in general for this team? I thought it was a positive. I think running when you had the opportunity to run, um, you know, utilizing moments where you had Harden on Nowitzki, and I thought that worked well on a couple occasions. And look, you know, Harden, we've talked about this before, can guard some bigs and spot moments. I thought that was critical to them. You know, they did a, a rather, relatively effective job of siphoning off um, Monte Ellis's penetration. I thought, by and large, 
the only thing that really bit them in the backside was how many offensive rebounds they, they surrendered to yeah. a team that's not really a good in that category, which I, that was a little bit odd to me. And most of that had to be with Dwight out. And, and maybe that changes the more that Dwight Howard plays. So you kind of have to kind of look at the effectiveness of Dallas offensively kind of through a tinted glass. You know, all the second-chance opportunities, and they had 17 second-chance points, one out of those constant offensive rebounds. Maybe they go away a little bit when Dwight Howard plays a little bit more, and maybe that leads to a less ineffective defensive performance. I thought, you know, look, you get 118 points, you did everything well offensively, despite missing 13 free throws. So, yeah, they're going to build on this on some level. I think they'll have to feel very positive about how they perform with Dwight Howard in the game. And really, you don't want to hope on anything at this stage of the game, but hope that he does a better job of not fouling and stays in the game. And if he can perform like he did in game two and the limited minutes he played in game one, they have to feel very good about how they're they're playing moving forward. We've talked a lot about Ariza. We mentioned him tonight as well. You know, we've last 21 games now, over 43% from three-point range. This guy is playing within himself offensively, I thought, was quite possibly the most valuable player on this team tonight. I mean, just sort of an unheralded uh, hero, if you will. I mean, just doing so many different things for the team and, and, and stepping up defensively. What do we have to see, though, in Game 2 for this for them to uh, go back to Dallas with a 2-0 lead? It's more of the same. Um, Howard playing in a game um, more than 17 minutes. I think James Harden being a little bit more effective shooting the basketball, doing a much better job on the glass, um, on the defensive glass, not, not allowing Dallas to, to constantly um, bombard them on, with offensive rebounds. I think those three things are going to be key. I think everything else, the ball movement with 26 assists, only 13 turnovers. That's, we cannot stress that enough. Only two in the second half. All those components were fine. Uh, getting 45 free throws was a huge plus for them. Um, but I think Harden has to shoot a little bit better. Howard has to play about 10 to 15 more minutes. And they have to find a way to, to get um, Tyson Chandler in particular off of the offensive glass. I think they do those three things, they'll be up 2 in this series. You know, I think uh, Zach Lowe tweeted about this, that the Rockets just sort of feasted on, on uh, Dirk tonight. You know, the pick and roll and just kind of going at him. Uh, I, hopefully they'll be. I'm, I'm sure they will continue to to, uh, to focus on that. Josh Smith, I, I thought was a bit of a problem tonight at times. Uh, had four turnovers, uh, five of 14 from the field, 11.7 rebounds. I think we're going to see a better game from Josh Smith. Uh, Dirk had a great game, 10 of 14 from the field, uh, 24 points. They're going to have to slow him down a little bit more, but at the same time, uh, you know, you know, Chandler Parsons, Monte Ellis are going to have better games than they, than they did. Um, so I don't know about Chandler Parsons. I thought he looked a little bit gimpy in that second half. I'm curious to see how he feels with that knee. Hey, there was very little explosiveness. He kept pump faking on three pointers that he was not going to take at any given point in the second half. We'll see how he feels. That's going to be critical for them. We talk a lot about health with the Rockets. If Parsons is not anywhere near 100%, it changes the entire way that things go for him offensively. Has been uh, this was a very exciting. I thought the the crowd was absolutely electric tonight. It, it had a great feel um, throughout, and hopefully a different feel than than uh, the the, the uh, past playoff series the Rockets have been in the past few years. So um, it's, that was a great one, man. I appreciate you doing this this late at night, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully do this again after game two. I will see you Tuesday, Dave.